Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. I've got a wonderful guest. Her book, The Sky is the Limit, is the number one new release and motivational category on Amazon um, the night that it was launched. Now, I got to tell you, that's a thrilling experience because I've had not one, but three best-selling books in the pandemic of 2020. So it truly is an amazing thing. And you're in the presence of, of greatness here. Her and her daughter's story has been featured in media around the world. Her Grit Mindset Academy has helped clients around the world to look beyond the beliefs that have been stopping them to begin to harness the secrets of the inner and outer game that can help you achieve amazing things. Even those things that previously might not have seemed possible in the end game a life that you love waking up to even when the boulders cross your path please welcome today's guest give it up for meredith alexandra I, I, I get that. I get that when people talk to me on stage and introduce me on stage. Now, the audience either does one or two things. They they look blank or two, they give me uh, applause or a standing ovation. So I want you to, in your mind's eye, Meredith, to have applause and ovation. And I want you to, to be with us. Can you walk us through where you were? when you first heard Dr. Schuler's uh, about Schuler's accident and how you reacted when you got the news? Sure. So I'm sorry, me, I said Schuler, that's Skyler. It's okay. It's okay. You know, in camp, she, she went as Schuler. So that means you're part of our inner circle. So all oh, of you. Wow. Are, and that's oh, because, yeah. that's because some of none of us can, uh, pronounced properly you know we've always got this thing from our heritage that's never quite right go, go it's Skyler what a beautiful day it, it is Skyler it is Skyler and I tell you that my life was going along at at a mompreneur's pace, right? It meant I was in the middle of my busy season. It was blue skies and all of a sudden at 3.15 in the afternoon on a Friday, the phone rang and when I picked it up, it was almost as if I knew just from the inhale on the uh, other side of the line that my life was about to dramatically change. Because this I, I'm just going to pause you for a second. Yeah. I want I want people to understand a little bit more. Uh, who's Skyler in relationship so, to you? And I, so, I love that you asked this. So Skyler is the youngest of my amazing brood, and Skyler is the impersonation of a yes 
spirit. So at this time that I'm talking about, she was 22 years old. She'd already been to five out of the seven continents, building a school, teaching English. And we're talking going to Tanzania, Nepal, Croatia. She was on a mission to change the world. And she had just graduated from Yale and was on a fellowship working with the native population in South America, specifically Peru. And she had just gone with one of her friends uh, slash colleagues on this adventure down to Colombia, South America. Okay, so, so I just had to give a little bit of the background there because I want our audience not only to understand this, but I want them to be in the scene. I want yeah. them to be part of this. I want them to know the sound sights and everything. I want them to live Skylar's accident. Yeah. Can, can you help us do that? Uh, can you help us to to get into that area there? You know all about it. You've been there. You're your mother. You're a loving person. You know you. What exactly happened? Tell us more. <laughs> so, so I got that. So the phone rang and I picked it up and this tiny little voice on the other side said, I don't know how to tell you this, but Skylar has been in a terrible accident. And so Skylar and this young woman had been on this two week adventure in Colombia, rappelling down waterfalls and and going to every nook and cranny of, on, in Colombia. And they were on their second to last day when they had joined this group of tourists with the guides to go on this white water rafting expedition. Oh, dear. Now oh, I'm God. starting to feel this because my wife was on white water rafting a couple of years ago. She went with all our daughters and she ended up with a broken ankle soon afterwards. I, I hope nothing so bad happened to your daughter, but this was to my wife. My wife's never had a broken bone in her life. It was wow. the most painful, awful experience that she ever had. But my wife's strong. She ignored it. She walked down from this place once they got the boat stopped and she couldn't, you know, it was terrible for her. It was terrible. She wouldn't let us do anything. She was so strong and so brave that it was awful. Tell us your daughter's experience. So, so my daughter and their group had made it through the dangerous parts and they actually pulled into this beautiful grotto to quote unquote take a break and swim and there was even a little ledge that they could jump and dive off of however to get up to that ledge you had to kind of free climb up this slightly precarious cliff but yeah 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 right climbing up a slicked white uh, uh, <laughs> elephant's back that's so hard to get up. You and I couldn't do it. Only your daughter could do it. Right, right. So this group of tourists started making their way up the cliff and jumping off the ledge. And of course, once you did it once, you had to do it twice, right? So as they were making their way up, a second time, someone in front of Sky, their foot slipped. And when their foot slipped, it, it dislodged one of the boulders. And this boulder came crashing down a dead on hit on my on Skylar's face and skull. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my yeah. God. 
Yeah. My wife's accident. This is far worse. And so it cracked and I say over. that from the point of view of a doctor who's gone through some terrible accidents. Oh, my goodness. Tell us more. Tell us everything. Tell us so, what happened. And so I, I will tell you that since she was in mid-climb, not only did it crack open her skull, but it knocked her off the cliff onto the boulders below. So it fractured her spine, fractured both scapula, crushed her lungs. It snapped her right thigh. Now, now tell me, tell me, what did you do when you heard this? What were you feeling when you heard this? So fortunately, when I got the call, um, the young woman had been her friend and had been with her. So she quite honestly, was traumatized herself. Of and course, so, this is traumatic stress syndrome exactly. right instantly. I mean, everybody, exactly. if everybody's having traumatic stress syndrome instantly in the audience, please calm down. We'll get <laughs> you through this. Please yes. calm down. Yes. So um, as you would imagine, initially, to what you and I have been talking about before, it was a sense of denial. Well, it's it's got to only be a broken leg. I heard I heard broken bone and I heard leg, and I'm like, okay, she just broke her leg. She'll be fine. Now, you're not talking about denial, the river in Egypt. You're talking about denial. People <laughs> not, not paying. We're not you know, they the blue Nile. We're talking yeah, we're, about we're, Nile. Yeah. Yes, you're talking about denial that people are denying this they're just not paying attention to it yeah right. okay go go tell us right. more and, and so you know it, it became a flurry in my own mind and of course I didn't want this to be true and finally I had to ask this young woman well she's not in danger of dying is she and this horrible silence at the other side of the line, and she said, "Well, first of all, first of all, uh, hmm. I'll tell you uh, a little bit later about an accident that occurred in my family. But you know, often at the time, trained professionals cannot make that judgment. They really right. can't because people right. act weird when they're traumatized. Right? You know, sometimes they act dazed. Sometimes they just act weird. So." You know, your, your daughter might have been knocked out for a minute. She might have been to the point. She might have been yelling in pain. She might have been doing. But, you know, at the time that a person is traumatized, they just act different. They yeah. It depends on their training and where they're at. You know, well, me, me, if I'm in pain, yeah. about, I look like I do now. I, I, I've been trained not to swear. As I said, I've been through battlefields. I've been through everything else. You know, in my life is, is so traumatic and chaotic. I don't think anybody would ever read or understand it at all. But the point is, uh, what I'm trying to say is people act weird. I act weird. Right, right. Well, from what I am told, it took them an hour to get Sky. And what I later was told by the neurosurgeons in Miami, where we ultimately were able to get her to, they most of the injuries like that that they'd seen never actually even made it from the accident site because you could her brain was exposed from the damage. And um, when I first arrived um, and was shown, the first thing I was shown before being allowed to see Sky was the damage to her skull, and. What I looked at. Now I, I'm just gonna ask something. Yeah. Was she at the moment? Was she okay? 
what, was she okay at the moment? I mean, we're talking about things that happened in that vicinity, but was she acting and behaving okay? Was she sitting yeah. up? Was she no. talking? Oh was, my she God. Unco- was she unconscious? She was, unconscious. She, was, she was in a coma. Okay. She was in a coma. Okay, she so, coma. so she had this caring person that's next to her that, that helped her. If, if that person wasn't there, was that person trained first of all? Was that person- No, no, no. So, so the beautiful thing is that she was, she and this young woman were with a professional rafting company. And so the guides literally had just been awarded the best river rafting guides in all of South America. So these guys and the tourists, the other tourists, helped to get her body into the raft, get the raft over to the beach, get her body out of the raft, up the side of the mountain to where their little van was, get her into the van, drive her 40 miles to where an ambulance could intersect with them. The reason I'm asking all this stuff is because often at a time an accident occurs, there's misinformation. You might've been told things different that were happening there. Right. The, the guide might have been telling you different things because, again, there's all this confusion and chaos going on. You know, right. the rock fell, the, but, you know, it hit this this beautiful, wonderful, talented, strong person. But she's reacting in the ways that you don't remember or will ever because every one of these events is so chaotic and so right. castrated. Everybody on the scene is acting in weird, crazy ways, too. So all we're trying to describe to everybody is how this is happening so they can get a picture in their mind's eye of exactly what's going on here. And, you know, my immediate reaction is to get a tear in my eye here because it's so dramatic. It's so crazy. And I'm feeling not I'm feeling some pain myself right now. I'm saying, oh, goodness. Okay, go ahead. So I was I was told that I needed to rush down there and they were going to try to keep her alive so I could say one final goodbye. That was the picture that ultimately was painted to me. And then um, fortunately, I was able to connect with a woman who I who is has become like an angel to our family, who is Colombian and was because there's no HIPAA. And no secrecy. And she was able to call. She had relatives who were also in neurosurgery in Bogota, which is not not where Skylar was. But they were able to call and well, find a, out. What a fortuitous thing, thing in crazy ways. You know, right. our HIPAA and stuff like that are meant to protect people's privacy. Right. There, thank goodness they don't have it because they were able to make heaven and earth move because they didn't have to worry about privacy issues. They were able to react quickly and wonderfully in this regard because because they didn't have all the prohibitions that are going on in your country and mine. You're in the United States, my Canada. Exactly. And it was thanks to that that I even could find where she was because the young woman who called me had no idea where they were. She was suffering from post-traumatic stress. Right. She had no so, idea. So you, you see, in both kind of, you know, in all of the stuff, we have people acting in robotic ways. You know, our HIPAA laws make us do things in certain ways because they think privacy is the most important thing. Now, as right. a doctor, I, I believe privacy is important, too, but it's right. not number one. 
Right. You know, we have something in medicine called the miracle minute. If you mm-hmm. get things done in the miracle minute, we know because of all the traumas that occur, that person's going to do okay. So things yeah. that are done in the mo- in that first minute are so important they're beyond belief. Now, right. we also worry about spinal injuries. So one of the first right. things all us trained doctors do, put a neck collar on people. So tell right. us. In the sequence that you were told they're understand it to be, what went on there? So, the, I mean, from what I was told, Skylar was, you know, in layman's term, a bloody mess, right? She was a bloody mess when she showed up. And so... Oh, in your mind's eye, you went through post-traumatic stress instantly oh, because oh, it was so oh, crazy. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. How, however, I mean, this is, this is, the, this is kind of the, the parallel kind of magic story here is that so yes I mean it was for me as a mom it was like the perfect storm of negative emotions all everything from could I have prevented this right in my crazy mind um blaming self-blame or blaming the boulder or blaming feeling insignificant feeling all kinds of things but well what what you're telling me Skylar is like a bucking Bronco that you couldn't control whatsoever because she's got so much energy and passion. She will do what she wants. She's a strong, nice girl, but she's strong and wants to do her own thing. Is that a well, good the, depiction? Source, yes and no. Um, okay, thank you. Correct yes, me. Correct me. Yes, because of her, her spirit and the yes. But I was, I people called her mini me, right? So I am a yes person and I really 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 have uh, encouraged her to create to be the master of her masterpiece yes 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 so so what I'm getting people I'm trying to do again just so that you and the audience understand I'm trying to make this person come alive I want people to understand her and part of that they have to understand her past and the future and, and all this chaos, we're trying to do this. So please, everybody, bear with me. I'm trying to paint a word picture here. The You know, if you have a picture, it's worth a thousand words. But if right. you have a word picture, you've got a thousand movies. Think of a thousand movies we're trying to show to you right now so you can see everything in its right sequence all at once. Okay, right. go ahead. So Sky Sky was the personality. She at you know, as I mentioned, she had traveled the world of her own accord. She just graduated from Yale in social enterprise. She had launched these programs. She was set to help people become the best version of her of themselves, right? She was vibrant. She her middle name literally means happiness and she was the embodiment well, that. isn't that a coincidence? My last name, Laika, means happiness in Sweden. Oh, how fun. I isn't love that it. fun? Isn't that crazy? I, I mean, um, what a coincidence. I love it. I love it. And and what was interesting is that a lot of, of that encouragement came from my real commitment to learning to master the inner game. In other words, why did and I'd seen since I was a child, why do some people find that secret of a fantastic life to your point? Why I think I think I've got I think I got a part answer for you there. A very part. <laughs> you know, the word happiness in Swedish also means luck. They mm. mean the same thing. I once asked the Swede, how can they mean the same thing? Well, if you're happy, you're lucky. If you're lucky, you're happy. So they're the same thing, aren't they? 
Well, and I so, think that. So I think that's a partial answer there. Your I, daughter's I, yeah, middle name was Lucky and at the same time Happiness. And I So would, she was lucky. Yes, she was. And I would carry that one step further to the, the statement that we create our own luck. But there's also that same statement that we create our own happiness. Oh, oh yes. So so you see, yes. they are the same. I'm not yes. joking. They are the same. Yeah. <laughs> but, but to and one person, luck right. means something else. Happiness means something else. Well, but and and to your point, when you're happy, when you're feeling vibrant, you feel like the world, ha like you're trusting the process, like the world has your back, like you are coming even more alive. And even when you encounter these crazy boulders. So we di we digressed a bit. I want to get back into the scene. I want people to get right back into it now so let guide me tell me exactly what's going on at the scene of this accident tell me what's happening tell me that what's going on because i want people to get back into it and understand that because i want them to experience this now okay right so they so skylar was feverishly being worked on in columbia when my other daughter and i hopped on finally after being turned away at the airport in tampa florida because we were too close to departure time even though they knew oh the God. circumstances yes they would not let us on board so we my son drove us to miami so you we, were getting on a plane immediately to be with her yes we were told we were told that i needed to get down there and they would try and keep her alive long so, enough. So you were doing, you were trying to get everything done to get there and you were denied entry at the gate. How did you feel? Oh my gosh, we were, first we tried to reason with them and say, because literally we did not even have checked in luggage. Uh, again, rules, rules, no rules. Uh, you could see the pilot, he could be waving to you and they wouldn't let you in. Yeah, no, this was at the ticket counter. We didn't even make it past security. Okay, well, the rules, the rules yeah. are all important. You can't that do anything about rules, of course. That was it. The, the young woman at the desk said, I'm sorry, our policy is that it's 45 minutes before uh, takeoff and we cannot let you on board. And literally, I said, my daughter has been potentially mortally wounded. They told us to get down. I'm sorry, that's not my problem. I cannot help you with that. And my son oh my goodness. exploded and, and to the point where security came over and literally ushered us out of the front of the airport. And so we made a split second decision that we could still catch the plane in Miami. And so we we hopped in the car and we drove to Miami. But that so but that in a way was one of the biggest blessings because the as I sat on that plane, there is no better place, I am convinced, to ask yourself some questions than at 30,000 feet. And what it came oh down God. to was I content to be powerless or worse than that, show up like okay, a Okay, I'm gonna have to digress a bit. I want to speed things up because we only have 10, 15 more minutes and yeah. I want people to realize what happens at the end of your journey when you get there. So when you got back to Columbia, I-, I is, So by the time I got to Columbia, I had made the decision on that plane 
to that I was 100% invested in all of the things that I'd studied for decades in my inner game. And I had gotten to a place where I did not arrive as this hysterical mom. I was I was saying game on and we and what do I need to do to help my daughter and these doctors create a miracle and so we we showed up and sky was bandaged from head to toe and it as as I'm sure you know the first 36 hours were critical but from well, that we, moment, we have that rule of the miracle minute but the first day is critical Second day is critical, and they're largely critical because what people have to do. And so, you know, bandages are a plus minus. Uh, you know, they're, they're, you're hot, that hospital did a lot of good things, I'm sure, but you can't see them because she's all wrapped up. And you're, you're wondering what the heck went on. Right. Well, we were fortunate because most of the hospitals in Columbia do not have an ICU. The ICUs are privately owned, so someone has to sponsor them in order for there to be an ICU. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, you know, in Canada, every hospital has an ICU. Everybody, one is great, and we've got world-class medicine. So, mm -hmm. you know, Columbia is different than everybody's own situation. So try and explain what's different about it so our audience can understand a bit more. So when I walked into their quote unquote ICU, it was a room that's smaller than most elementary school gymnasiums. Oh and my goodness. in the center was this circular desk with the doctors and nurses behind it. And there were about 14 little slots with curtains separating them for all of the ICU patients. So it was just this constant beep, 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 beep. And oh, whatever I, was going on was completely visible and heard weeping, crying, all oh kinds of Oh my goodness. I, I could just imagine being in a scene like that. First, it was something you didn't expect. Second right. of all, it was beyond the standards of your country. And so you, you know, if even if you've been in an ICU before, I've been in ICUs, working in ICUs, this one would have been a shock to me. It, it was more like what we expect from kind of a triage environment. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so it was very, very shocking, but uh, Miracles, if I mean, miracles began to happen immediately. The swelling in her brain went down to the point where within 48 hours, it was at a level that the doctors said they would have been happy to see. Now, I got to tell some people about that because they might not understand this. So let me, you know, swelling of the brain happens after every injury to the brain. And it's something that's an immediate reaction. But what that does is it either heals or it causes more damage. So it's a pivotal thing in the situation. And it's off. A doctor right at the start cannot tell which way it's going to go. They cannot tell anything else. The way the person behaves in the first 24, 48 hours. Is, and in North America, we put almost all these people in a medically induced coma so that they don't get further stuff. And that allows the swelling to subside. In, in lay terms, it allows the brain to heal a bit. But again, that first 24, 36 hours is touch and go. Doctors have to do the right things. Otherwise, it's going to go bad. If they right. do the right things, there's a chance it might go good. So right. that's where we are with the scenario, everybody. Yes. Go ahead, dear. 
unfortunately, by Monday, remember this happened on a Friday, that by that Monday, it was considered safe enough for an American air ambulance, a little tiny executive plane, to come and rendezvous with us four hours around the windy mountains of Colombia. Uh, and take her to at sea level because again you can explain the high pressure would would have been detrimental. Well, you know, Colombia is an amazing country, but there's mountains, there's valleys, there's trees, there's forests, there's there's the city. Where was she? She was way up in the mountains, and it took us mountains and mountains and mountains plus. And, and as you get higher into the mountains, you know the the pressures change. You know if you go really high in the mountains of Peru. People get so short of breath, so so nutso, it, it they get they can't even breathe. They can have right. heart attacks because it's so high up. So even the atmosphere there could be a problem. Right. Now and now people do well if they've been there for a while just because of the atmosphere. Yep. But if not, there can be problems just because where they are. Right, right. And that was one reason why we decided to take her straight to Miami, because initially they were thinking Bogota, but the, the altitude is so high in Bogota, to your point. And how did you get from Miami to Bogota? Well, how did we get from Miami yeah, to Bogota? How, how, how did you? How did you and how did she get down? Yes. So she never went. To, so we went straight from this tiny little village hospital, ICU, through the mountains. Now, mind you, they had barely detected that she had this spinal cord issue. Or it wasn't a spinal cord, it was the spine itself. So we were in an ambulance that because it was trying to go so fast, but because of the windiness of the mountains, literally every 20 minutes on a four hour trip, the team would stop and try and push Skylar back because her head had started bumping against the front of the of the ambulance. Now okay. you can imagine someone who has a spinal a spine fracture, how dangerous that is to the future of her spinal cord. Yeah, and and I'm just going to digress for a few minutes. I had a nephew that was involved in a bad accident. At the time, no, everybody was so, everything was so confused. All of that, he was working with my brother-in-law. So he had family with him, people that knew each other. But all the family member noticed when he was there is he was walking around in a funny manner. He was dazed. No one knew what had happened. No one witnessed it. So they were at a loss. This, my, this was on an industrial site. Two electricians, you know, what do they do? So uh, thank goodness we've got these crazy things called cell phones. <laughs> he phoned my, my niece who is a nurse and yeah. we'll get him in an ambulance right away. You know, you know, technology helps us a lot. It, it does a lot of things. Everybody carries these days 24 seven. So right. instantly we can get help if, if a person decides help's necessary. So, right. you know, even Columbia, they can dial for help in some way if they have the stuff there. Did they have a cell phone that could get in touch with people? They did. They did. I mean, for uh, for us who was was going there, it was almost impossible to find a place to charge it. Much oh, less. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because again, between the countries, there's different cords. There's different right. things. There's different powers. 
in, in right. there, I'm not sure if it's 220 or 120. So you might have to have a cord and something that changes it from one power to the other. Right. So it works with you. So these yeah. things are weird and so on. Now, the all I bet you there was at least one or two cell phones there that could call for help. I bet you they could do that. They so they had a cell phone that that's how they got the ambulance to come yeah. and meet them. But it yeah. took you know it, them forty minutes to get to a place that was safe for the ambulance to meet. Oh yeah, them. I mean we're talking treacherous territory there. We're right. talking not so territory. You know, right. in all right. these countries, we think of North American standards all the time because we live in them. But you know, every country has different standards. Right. You know, and and we. In Canada, I belong to a rotary group, and we've been sending ambulances to the middle American countries yeah. uh, because we know they need them. They, right. they, and so even the standard of ambulances vary a lot in, in all these places. Yeah. And some of the very, very poor countries have very poor ambulances. Some of the right. better off countries have better ones. Some of the places with private health care, they have good ambulances and bad ambulances. Depends right. where they are who's using them, and so on. So how was it there? So I would say it was, I'll, I'll give it a medium because she got there, but it was, um, they didn't, nobody in the ambulance spoke English, and my other okay. daughter and I didn't speak Spanish, um, and they were, it, it was very challenging. It was four hours that was very challenging, and we had to be very cognizant. They had a limited amount of oxygen on the ambulance. Yeah. And no uh, so, so again, I, I want to paint the scene here because this is a foreign country where yeah. where very few people speak English. They speak Spanish. Your daughter speaks English. Does, did she speak Spanish? She did, did speak. She was fluent. Did, did other people on that, that lifeboat, speak English? Did the crew speak English? Some of them. And, and you know, Some when we say speaking English, it's often broken English. It's it actually, yeah. it's not at the level we're talking English. Right. You know, I want right. the audience to understand you're in a country where there's miscommunications going on, that, that it's got to happen because even the language barriers. So this is a very difficult, crazy, nutso situation. It was a very crazy, nutsoid. And then, and, and, and of course, I mean, um, to add, I mean, now kind of humor into the mix, but what we were told we couldn't take her to Miami unless the hotel, uh, sorry, the, the hospital bill was paid in full before yep. we left, which yep. of course I'm sitting there going, OMG. Um, so it was it was a crazy, crazy experience. And to the you know, the culmination was 45 minutes on the tarmac to take all the Colombian gizmos, all the tubes yes. and equipment off and replace it with American equipment, except for the equipment that was now in her body, which clearly couldn't be taken. Oh, um, yeah. You know, that that's very so, true. And all this stuff. As I say, we're talking a very catastrophic, difficult situation. How I'm going to paraphrase to the end. In yeah. one week, how was she? Oh, in one week, she was barely beginning her first procedure. We were in the ICU for for uh, two months. And then where was where was she in one week? Where was she? A, a week later, she was in Miami beginning the process of multiple 
heroic procedures that would be done first on her. Uh, because first I, on her I, want, I want I want our people to understand. I want to just I, you know I'm a doctor. Yeah. But in a, when something hits you on the head, a lot of things also happen. Then yeah. she fell down a cliff, and you know her body hit everything else and so on. So there's broken bones, there's broken limbs, there might yeah. be bleeding, there might be bleeding internally, there might be there's really? so many things that can go wrong. You know, even as a doctor, we have problems putting it together. So so later when the doctors felt that they could share this with me because she was clearly going to make it, although by this point she couldn't sit up, she couldn't eat, she couldn't do anything, but she was alive. They shared with me that they had done thousands and thousands of procedures in this neuro ICU. And if hers wasn't the most complicated that they'd ever seen, it was one of the top three. Because when they opened it back up to really do the put the titanium in and try to restructure it it was like their words were cornflakes when was the first time that you heard that she was going to be okay i mean most of the time nurses and doctors don't say too much they don't like to even communicate two months you so were you at her bedside day and night for those that period of time I was, but I was in. I, I, I can't begin to tell you my mindset. I was so, so invested in the power of a deliberately focused positive mindset that ultimately Jackson Memorial invited me back last year to talk to their in, to their nurses award week. I mean, I was I that that was the only thing I knew I could not be there and help to operate on my daughter. I could not undo the boulder, but I sure as heck could play a mean inner game. So wow. I said game on. Game yeah. on. I was I you know, I was even trying to uplift the other patients and the team, the staff, even the doctors. Couple of questions. Do you think your positive attitude pulled her through? Having not had anything to compare it to, I was definitely told by the doctors and the nurses that they'd never seen anything like it and that it infused the whole ICU. Um, but to me, what it felt like, I felt like by, I got to a place that felt like such a calm knowing in the form of expectation that she would be fine, whatever. Did you believe that? Did you believe she was going to be fine? Did you always believe she was going to be fine? No, I had to get myself to the place where logically and authentically, I believe that that whatever fine looked like would be fabulous. Most trauma, most people respond in a couple of ways. One is first shock, daze, things like that. That goes for the person and you, too. You know, you sort of relive the experience of the person that has the trauma. So so shock and daze are one of the first things. Now, some people act weird. I said, remember, the first thing people act weird. That goes in the person and you, too. Um, You're a microcosm of what's going on. A lot of this is based on an experience. Some people become angry. Some people become uh, uh, sad. Some people become depressed. Some people bargain. Some people go through a phase of giddiness, all because they don't know what to do. Their body does that. Now, your daughter, was she in a medically induced coma at the beginning? Yes. Okay, so she she wasn't doing anything. 
you know, in a she medically was, induced body, it, your body isn't moving. Uh, was she, right. So she was on a respirator, a breathing machine. She was on a, she was on a breathing machine. Her eyes were patched closed because they thought initially that she would, of course, be blind. She is yeah. not. Um, yeah. her, her mouth was wired shut. I mean, she was on one of those rotating beds. So, so, so when was the first time she opened her eyes? A month and a half. Two months. Well, no, sorry. They they early on, uh, probably two or three weeks in, they just because they were monitoring the eye pressure, they took the patches off while I was in there. And just to prove for their recording purposes that she could not see, they asked how many fingers. And of course, she couldn't talk. So she would squeeze my hand to communicate. Um, and we had a whole system with that. And, and all of a sudden it became apparent that she could see the number of fingers that were up and the whole room with doctors and everyone erupted. Um, but they, the patches were put back on and they were never removed and the wires- Did they scream with joy? Were they happy? Oh my gosh, it was unbelievable. They were high-fiving and they were just, it's a miracle, it is impossible. It is a miracle, it is a miracle, it is a miracle. It is impossible. I mean, I can't tell you how many times these amazing doctors would pull me back into that like nurse's station area and show me things <laughs> that I had no clue what I was looking at and they would say, you see this, this like CAT scan or no, something. No, what you're no, looking you're, at is impossible. You're her mother. Your daughter's mm. not married, right? Correct. Are, are you her closest relative? Oh, yes. Okay, well, so I, I'm asking because, you know, in North America and, and stuff, if your daughter was married, you as the mother, they couldn't, because of HIPAA, tell anything to you. Okay. Right. Literally, now, if you knew the doctors and schmoozed them a bit, you might get right. this much. Now, that's right. two reasons. Because the law... But also doctors don't want it to get out that they broke the law. Right. And lastly is because they don't know you. They don't trust you. They don't know what you're going to do. So they right. got to be cautious. I mean, you could blab to everyone. They broke the law. They, you right. know, so they're going to be cautious. Now, right. you're her closest relative. Does your daughter have a, a, a living will? Does she have directives, living directives that, call, that are called? that tell people what to do in case something like that happens. He did not, no, she did not. Okay, because not many people think of it, okay? Right. And you know, when my, my nephew was hurt recently, he didn't, but he was married and they talked about things at one time. So right. they, they knew what to do when things were progressing. But this is the difference, your daughter, if she doesn't have that, right. could, could be, on a ventilator forever or not on a ventilator forever. You know, it, it's all because of the judgment. You, because you're her closest relative, are supposed to do things. But if your daughter is 21, 25, 26, mm -hmm. the 20. answer is it doesn't matter. You know, she, you, the, she's an adult. She's the one that makes the decisions for herself. Right. What happens when she can't make decisions for herself? Right. right. The law is a little bit vague about that. You know, right. it's not black and white. It's not crystal clear. Right. So doctors exactly. are going to be cautious. They're not going to tell you everything because they don't. And a lot of times in the first 24 hours, they don't know. And right. the tests don't tell you everything. The tests right. are not black and white. Now, right. in that 
in that ICU, did they have an MRI? Yes. Okay, yeah. that's a miracle in itself yeah. because they're not everywhere. They're, right. they're only in some place, even in a country like the United States, MRIs are not everywhere. Okay. So here's the neat here's the neat thing is that this ICU that she happened to land in Colombia uh, was ironically the place that their lead professor of neurosurgery from the University of Bogota had retired to because of the number of of motorcycle accidents. So there was actually a neurosurgeon there that was able and to. And they knew trauma like crazy because motorcycles do not do well when they splat into anything or hurt anything. Right. They're right. not good things. They, so no. your daughter had a motorcycle-like accident that was pretty nasty. So they knew some of the things they needed to do. Yep. So yeah, it, was, it was quite the adventure. It was quite the adventure. And I and for anyone who's listening, I will share that it has been four and a half years, almost five. And she now, it, the, the lasting repercussions really have been to her sense of balance. And so now she is she is cognizant, but she is still, uh, I'm still her primary 24 seven caregiver because oh she, cannot, she cannot transfer. She cannot walk. Um, she cannot function independently yet. Um, yes. but, but we continue to make progress. We con we continue to persist. We continue to believe. Okay, we, we've only got about two minutes left, so I want to wrap this up. Yeah. I want to tell everybody that it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens. That's so important. Absolutely. You know, the staff there, everybody there, did the right things when this accident came on. That determined this young lady's where she is now. She's got some residual damage, but you know, her persistence, her stamina, her strength, your strength, it's very important. So it's not what happens to you. It's what right. you do with what happens. That is the game changer. That yep. is the way it is. Now, I'm going to ask you a question, Meredith. Yep. Was this the most traumatic, crazy thing that ever happened in your life? Absolutely. Absolutely. Was it, was it a life changer for you? Absolutely. Did your life change in an instant? It absolutely changed. Did in your instant. daughter's life change in an instant? Yes. Okay. But it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with what happens. Yes, exactly. Now, now how do you currently live a fantastic life, Meredith? How do you do that? You know, the way that we do that is we now look at this amazing boulder, not as something that came to teach us about death, but really as something that came to teach us how to choose to live. So we suck the life in the most beautiful way out of every passing butterfly after every little tiny victory along the way. And we so focus on all of the amazing things that are here. Okay. I'm going to have to wrap this up quickly because unfortunately I'm just about out of time here and this other podcast has to go on right now. 
But I've got to thank you amazingly for your insight and taking people on a journey that was scary, exciting, fantastic, all at the same time. And I want people to, how can they get in touch with you to find out more of the story, Meredith? So I would hop over to my website, gritmindsetacademy.com, and you can hear more about our story. You know, and anybody that's heard the story, I want you to get there. I want you to find out what's what's going We have given you 90% of the story. You can never live this entire story, know all about it, and understand all of it because it's very, very complex and so on. The chaos that went on these people's lives were beyond belief. That's why I wanted you to feel it. I wanted you to, because then you're going to have, you have a better chance of understanding it. Meredith, you're a fantastic. I wish you and your daughter a fantastic life and do well. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Laika's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day.